let me uh, get the message up now. Who's ready for the word? There's a lot of talk of building funds and mission funds, and that, but I'm ready for the word to now top me up and fill me up. Amen? Amen. So God bless you. And uh, Father, we just thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that it comforts us. Lord, that it helps us, that it enlightens our lives, and that it really just nourishes us. And so we thank you for your word today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As a church, we've been going through the Gospel of John. And uh, so we're talking about Jesus, which is probably a good thing, seeing as though we're a church. Uh, it's good to talk about Jesus in church. So uh, we're up to John chapter 14. And the theme of this chapter is Jesus the Comforter. And we started it uh, a couple of weeks back. And uh, we're going to continue uh, our journey through John chapter 14. Actually, no, it was only last week. Was it only last week? No, no, no it was a couple of weeks back. I am right. I doubted myself for a second. So, so we've come to John chapter 14 where uh, Jesus is comforting his disciples. And he's telling them that those who believe in him will do even greater things than Jesus. But that wasn't to be confused with greater in display of power. What he was meaning is that it was going to be greater in number. See, Jesus is fully man and fully God. But because he was fully man, he could only be in one place at one time. So Jesus couldn't be in multiple places like God can. And so what Jesus is talking about is that I'm going to go, I'm going to send a helper and he's going to be called the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit can be anywhere and everywhere with everyone. And you are going to do even greater things, which means in number. Miracles are going to increase. Breakthroughs are going to increase because people are going to catch the Holy Spirit fire and be active in ministry and believe for healing, believe for provision, whatever it is. And there's going to be a greater number of miracles than when Jesus was walking the planet. And the promise was that anything we ask for in the name of Jesus, he says he will do it. How good is that? Having faith like that. When I mention his name, a healing is going to come. Having that confidence, knowing that God is for us and not against us. So let's keep going. We got up to John um, chapter 14. Um, James, if you could click on it again and maybe the computer's being difficult. Okay, John chapter 14, verses 15 to 17 is where I'm going to start. If you've got your own Bibles, that's great. It'll be on the screen as well. And I'm reading from New King James uh, Version. So it says this, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for, his, uh, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the question is being asked, how do you love me? You see, Jesus talked with his disciples quite a bit about loving. And he even called love the mark of a believer. So one way we know we love Jesus is by whether or not we obey him and do what he says. You've got to notice here, though, and this is really important. Notice the order. It says, love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. The order is very important. First, we establish a relationship with our God. And then we do what he says. We don't do what he says to, to build our relationship with him. 
That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says to love him, and because I love him, I will now follow what he says. That's really important. Because here's the difference. One is relationship-based, and one is works-based. If you have in your mind, I keep all the commandments, I do what he says, I obey my Lord because, because I want to love on him. No, you, that's a works, that's relying on what you're doing. But if you love him first and then do what he says, big difference. Because you love him first, you're building relationship with him. You're praying, you're, you're seeking him, whether it's while you're listening to music or while you're just having sitting in your lounge chair with a cuppa and just having time, one-on-one -on -one devotion time in the Word or whatever it is you're doing. But build that relationship first, then do what he says. The other thing is you can't really know what he says unless you read his Word and have relationship with him and listen to his voice. And so relationship is everything. To help us obey him, Jesus told his disciples that God would send a helper. How many of you are glad there's a helper? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. And the title helper for the Holy Spirit, it comes from the Greek word that means one who is called alongside. Uh, it was used for a defence lawyer who stood alongside the accused person in court. So that gives you the picture of what the Holy Spirit is like. A helper is someone who encourages, not from a distance. So God's not very distant and far away and making calls for your life. A helper is someone who encourages not from a distance, but while standing beside the person. So the Holy Spirit is actually very near to all of us as a helper, wanting to lead us and guide us. You know, the description of the helper as another, he says, Jesus says, I'll send another helper. It uses the Greek word alos. Everyone say alos. You can all speak Greek. Well done. And it means another of the same kind. So the same kind as Jesus. John did not use the word heteros. That's another Greek word for another. And it means of a different kind. He's not using that word there. He's using alos, which means same kind. Same, same. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the same as God, but with a distinct role in your life. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. And it's a member of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So this three-part being that we know as God. And, and we don't fully, we might think we do, but we don't fully understand the Trinity. It, it's very hard to get your head around one thing, really being three things. We sing this song at Kids Club, uh, and one of the lines in the song is one plus one plus one equals one. And they're like... <laughs> That's not what they teach me at school. This will be different. So it is. It's challenging every thought and concept that we have about three being one. It's just, it's, yeah. We know for sure that God is three persons. We all know that. And, and in each one, there's a distinct uh, role for each part. As a man, Jesus couldn't be in more than one place at once. His leaving earth was actually better for his followers because he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. And that's why it's better. Therefore, he is with every believer all the time, no matter where we are. And I think that is awesome. The Spirit comforts us when we need it, shows us truth about God. He gives us the same sort of intimate relationship with the Father that Jesus had. He enables that. So keeping God's commandments is not a substitute for loving him. 
Don't think because I do the right things and I tick the right boxes and I follow the rules and whatever that God, well, there's a relationship there. That's not relationship, that's works. Those things are important, do them, but that's not the basis of your relationship with him. He loved you before you did any of that stuff. And that's important to understand. The Spirit comforts us when we need it and shows us truth about God and gives us that closeness, that relationship with our Father. You know, when we love Him, we'll want to obey Him. That's true, isn't it? When your kids love you, they want to do the right thing. Do they do the right thing all the time? No, I've got kids. <laughs> Who's got kids or have had kids? You understand what I'm saying? They'll break the rules from time to time. But when they love you, their desire isn't against you. They want to do the right thing deep down. But God wants our love. And when we love Him, we want to obey Him. And it won't be a chore to do so. It won't be, ah, groan. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. It's not like that. It's not like that. It's, I want to do this because I love you, God. So, Let's keep going. Verses 18 to 21. Okay. There we are. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. This is Jesus comforting his disciples again. I will a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So this is our um, spiritual... <laughs> Everyone point at James and say, James, stop touching things. <laughs> there we go. Spiritual survival kit. Okay. Even though Jesus was going away... He wouldn't leave his disciples as, as orphans without family. That's what he's saying to them. He loved and cared for them as a father loves his children, so he would come back for them. After his death and resurrection, he met with his disciples and gave them the Holy Spirit to live in them uh, when he returned to heaven. Because Jesus would live again after being crucified, his followers would also gain life after death. So the same power that conquered the grave lives in us. When we live our lives for Christ, just as Christ rose from the dead and is now in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, we get eternal life too. How good is that? That's awesome. That's not why we make the decision for Jesus solely, because if it was, well, who cares what we do here? Uh, we'll just go and be in that glorious place in the clouds. But no, we're saved for a purpose, and that is that others may know the same thing that you've discovered while we're here that is our role, to share the light of Jesus with everyone that we encounter. So then Jesus repeats himself. And you know when a teacher who's been to school and when your teacher repeats something, it's very important, right? They don't just say it a second time, but, you know, it's the big clue. This is on the big test, kids. Uh, they don't say that, but they repeat themselves about a certain fact. You know there's a good chance that you need to know that information. So Jesus repeats himself. And whenever, um, just like teachers... What he's saying at the moment is very important and he wants the disciples to pay attention. And so Jesus drove home the point that obeying his commands is proof that we love him. And when we love him, we receive his and the Father's love in return. 
So let's apply this. How do we apply it? You know, it's easy to say we love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. I love God. It's all good. But can others see it in the way we obey him? Do we live an example that shows others that we actually do love Jesus? Two people can say that they love each other, but if they don't show it with actions and commitment, you know, it's hard to believe their words, isn't it? You know, when you see two people that, you know, just bicker and fight all the time, that they say, oh, we love each other, but they're always at each other, you wonder, what's going on there? Something's not right. So it's hard to believe their words. Well, it's the same with our relationship with Christ. He showed his love for us by dying for our sins. How do you show your love for him? How do others see you? Because that's important. Because especially if they know you go to church and you call yourself a Christian. Now, I'm not condemning anybody here. We all make mistakes. We do things we regret. But it's a really good challenge to give yourself. How do others perceive me? Do, do, they, do they see me just bickering and fighting and cussing and whatever else? What example is that showing to the others in the community? Challenge yourself. I'm not challenging you because that's not my role. I'm not your judge. Uh, you live your life how you live your life and that's how it is. But challenge yourself. What kind of a light am I shining? What, what kind of an example am I being? Because, you know, the way you act and the things that you do could be the difference between someone coming to Christ and not. Because they might see you and they might come up to you and say, well, why are you always so happy and joyful? And, you know, when th- especially when things are tough and you just seem to keep so calm. And, you know, and get- people will ask questions like that. And then that gives you an open door because of, not because you've Bible bashed them and told them they need Jesus, but because you've been an example and caused them to ask questions. Why are you like that? Why are you different? What makes you different? And then you have an inroad into their life. And so we have that opportunity, don't we? To be an example, to be that, you've heard the phrase before, be the hands and feet of Jesus in your world, whatever that looks like. All right, let's keep going. Verses 22 to 24. Judas, uh, not Iscariot, so different Judas, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So, in other words, pay attention. (laughs) Pay attention. Everyone awake? Very good. Jesus' teaching created questions in his disciples' minds, and that's good. I think I said this last time. Questions are a good thing. It's good to ask questions. Actually, I said it at youth. I remember. Uh, It's good to have questions about God. Don't think that because you have questions, you're a doubter. You're not doubting. You're curious and you want to know more. Questions are a good thing. Uh, some, Some of it would have been hard to understand for his disciples. You know, before his death and resurrection, I think it would have been much harder for them than after when they saw the things play out. But Judas is asking for clarification, and John was careful to note that this wasn't the same Judas that was going to betray Jesus. It was another Judas that was there, uh, not to get confused. And Judas wanted to know why Jesus was going to show himself to them and not to the world, because the way he said it, that's what it sounded like, and he was a bit confused. So he had a question, and that's good. He asked the question. Please ask questions. 
don't just have them inside and don't address them because then that's when it festers and can become, I guess, something that drags you down because you haven't discussed it or if you've got questions, ask them. It's so good. So this was a good question since Jesus had told them previously that he would appear to, um, to all nations. And, and so there was a bit of confusion. So someday when Jesus comes back to earth again, everyone will see him. But that's still in the future, yet to come. In the meantime, Jesus' answer took the disciples back to their relationship with him, because that's what matters, relationship. Not are you doing the right things and ticking the right boxes, but are you in relationship with me? If they love and obey him, Jesus and the Father will abide with them in the person of the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit only lives in those who believe in Jesus. This teaching isn't something that Jesus made up. It came from the Father. And so that is what Jesus was addressing in that portion of Scripture. Okay, verses 25 to 26. We're nearly to the end. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Praise God for the spiritual memory jog. Uh, who is glad that there is a Holy Spirit that can help us remember things? If you're over the age of 40, your hand should be up uh, because mine is up, okay? There are so many times that I can think of, um, you know, where I've put my keys down somewhere or put my phone down somewhere, and do you think 10 minutes later I can remember where I've put it? God, please help me remember. Help my memory. Recollect what I've done. Well, that's what's happening um, here. Most of us often lament the fact when we can't remember something. You get frustrated, don't you? I just had it. You know what the worst one is, is if you wear glasses or even my sunnies and, and they're on your forehead. You're like, where are my sunnies? And you go up to your wife, I can't find them anywhere. And she's like, there they are right there. You know, the disciples were definitely the same way here. Uh, especially since Jesus was giving them a lot of teaching. You know, we talked about it. John uh, chapter 1 up to about chapter 12 happens over three years, right? And now we're reading John chapter 13, 14, right up to about John chapter 18. So there's five solid chapters, and it's over like a short, very short period. And so they're taking in a lot of stuff. And how do you remember all of this stuff? It's challenging. So... Jesus says this is no problem. The Holy Spirit, whom he would send after his death and resurrection, would help them remember. Praise the Lord that we have that memory jog. Mm. Furthermore, the Spirit would continue Jesus' teaching ministry. So we can still hear and receive from the Holy Spirit now as we're reading the Word. How many of you realise when you read the Bible, you can read the same verse multiple times and at different times the Holy Spirit shares something different and draws something fresh and new out of it. That's just so cool about the Bible. It's living, it's active and it's relevant for what you're facing today. So don't be the person that says, oh, I've read that verse so many times, that can't really speak to me anymore. There is something fresh. If you let the Holy Spirit come and breathe on your time with God as you read that scripture and you watch how many different perspectives, ideas, thoughts, wisdom will come from reading his word when you approach the Bible with that attitude. 
that I want to get something fresh today, Lord God. Not, help me not to be stale and complacent. That spirit of complacency is a big one that's hitting the church these days. Oh, I've done all that. I've been a Christian for 20, 30, 50 years, whatever, and nothing's new to me. Well, I'm sorry, but the Bible is living and active, and if you approach it with the right attitude, it will speak to your circumstance in a fresh new way if you'll, if you'll let it. So be encouraged to approach the word that way. Uh, the Holy Spirit reminds us of what we've learned, which is a good thing. The person who makes no effort to study or understand what Jesus has said actually has nothing to be reminded of. So don't be someone that goes, oh, I don't need to be learned or read the word, because Jesus will just give me the word at the right time. Well, if you've never read the word, how's it going to come? Because you don't know it. So please let me encourage you. Spend time in God's Word each day, even if it's five minutes. I don't care. I'm not religious about you've got to have an hour in the Word, four hours in your prayer closet, six hours on your face. Don't do that because that's all the day gone and you won't achieve anything. Uh, but please, set aside time in His Word to learn and be encouraged and, and you'll be blessed, I promise you. Okay. Verse 27. We like this one. Peace I leave with you. Who needs some peace? Okay, two of us. That's great. Awesome. Peace I leave with you. My peace. Everyone online just put their hand up. I can't see you, but in faith I'm saying that. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This scripture is quoted a lot, uh, particularly when we live in a broken world and we need peace in the midst of our storm. Uh, and, and we really do. We need peace instead of fear and the kind of world that we live in and the things that are coming against everyone. We need peace instead of fear, not being driven by the agenda of fear. And so Jesus started this section by telling his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. So he comes full circle with this concept that they didn't have to be troubled and afraid because he was living, because he was leaving them, because that's what he's addressing. Don't be troubled because I'm going. Don't freak out and have a meltdown because God's got it. It's all good. Because he's also leaving them peace. Peace that the world of unbelievers would never receive. It's peace that comes from inside, not from calm on the outside. The world is trying to, you know, yoga and all these other whatever peace things, self-help videos, you know, find your inner peace and, and calm around you. Make sure you've got beautiful music playing. It's not about the outward. It's about what's going on inside. And if we let the Holy Spirit come in, he'll breathe his peace on us in the midst of, and that's what I mean. People will come to you and say, how is your world falling apart if you are so calm? And then you have the opportunity to say, Jesus is awesome. Then he gives me the peace that the world can't get. They're struggling and striving to get it, and they're trying every little trick, but Jesus is the answer. It's peace that comes from the inside and, and not from calm in the outward circumstances. It's a peace we can have in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials or persecution, because it comes from our relationship with Jesus. And I know I'm harping on it today, but that's why relationship is so more important than obeying. When you have relationship, you will obey. But if you just obey and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you don't know what it means to love him, Man, I want to pray for you because you need to have a relationship with Jesus to access this peace because that's how it comes. It's a, it's a trust thing. It's going, you know what? 
Everything is going haywire right now, but God, my trust is in you. And that only comes, it's easy to say, but it only becomes real out of relationship. And you've got to have that relationship with him. See, it's totally independent of what's happening around us. And that's why you can have that peace even when, despite this and this and this going on. It's totally independent of those things. The peace Jesus offers his disciples is not the peace of an easy life. How many wish it was? Give my heart to Jesus and life becomes easy. That would be so good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We need that. But it is the peace of the obedient servant who has the full confidence and support of his master, and that's our God in heaven, and carries out his commission effectively and joyfully, not begrudgingly. Oh, I'm off to church today. <laughs> oh, got to eat Javita's cooking. No, that's a good thing. Javita is an amazing cook. We're about to eat amazing food. It's about our attitude, isn't it? We've got to be full of joy and full of, I don't know, just life, despite. But we've got to be careful. We can still be real. Okay, that's important. I've gone through the season in church where it's like you'd go to pastor's conferences. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm great. And everyone has to answer like that. You can't say, oh, I'm doing it really tough. You know, I did a, fu <laughs> I did a funeral last week and I've had 10 people leave my church. And I'm... You, you would never say those things because there was this pressure and expectation that everything's good. We're all good. And, 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 and yes, it's good to have a positive confession, but it's also good to be real. And if you're struggling then people can reach out and help you. If you're putting up this facade of everything's good, everything's great, and really at home everything is just miserable and it's a storm and life is not worth living, can I encourage you? Reach out to someone. That's why we're the body of Christ here, amen? Are we not here for each other? You know, despite our differences, some don't get along with some. That's normal because does everyone get along in your family? <laughs> we have our moments, don't we, with our family? Here's the thing. We are God's family. So despite what we think of each other, we're here for each other. If anything happened to any one of you, Anita and I would just be there to do whatever. You've got to let us know. That's the other thing. Pastors are usually the last ones to find out anything. Uh, but if you're going through a tough time, let us know. Because if we don't know, how can we know what help is needed? So let's communicate with each other. And not just with us, but the body. If you're struggling, reach out to someone. Whether it's us, whether it's someone here. And let's pray together and let's lift up each other's arms and lead each other through the difficult seasons of life. Is that not what the church is for? Cool. Six people with me. <laughs> so good. So good. Let's, uh, let's go to verses 28 and 29 as I come to a close because everyone's tummy is grumbling. <laughs> you have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said... Uh, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you, before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Again, repeating what he said earlier, which means it's important. Jesus reminded his disciples that he was going away, dying, and that he was coming back, resurrecting. So knowing a friend is going to die, it makes us sad, right? Some of us have walked that journey where maybe a really close friend is got a terminal diagnosis, uh, maybe it's a family member, whatever, and you've walked that journey and you've lost that person. It's a sad time because we're grieving before they're even gone because you know it's coming. So that's hard. So it makes us sad, but Jesus told those men it should make them happy. What? 
You've probably noticed by now, we're in John chapter 14, that often what Jesus teaches is opposite to what we expect. He's like that. And so he's telling them that they need to be happy. Jesus was glad to be going home to the Father, and that's something to look forward to. But it's hard for those that are left behind. You know, it's easy to say that, and we know that. But when a loved one goes, as much as we know that, it still hurts here in this season and this time. It's challenging. <laughs> we love you, James. We really do. Ah, it's because you move the mouse and then the mouse is disagreeing. So Jesus is saying, rejoice with me. He's saying, don't be sad in this moment, but rejoice. All right. The last verses of John chapter 14. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. The end is now near. So it was time to leave the upper room. This is where all this discourse has been happening. And this intimate fellowship between Jesus and his disciples was almost over. And it was time for Jesus to die. And Satan, the ruler of this world, was God's instrument behind Jesus' crucifixion. But Jesus' death would not be permanent. In spite of the fact that Satan kept trying to defeat Jesus, and he still keeps trying to this day, and he's trying to take his place as God, he didn't have and doesn't have and never will have that kind of power. Amen. Jesus was going to die because that was God's will not because Satan had a hold over him. And it's important to understand that, and that is the whole crux of the Christian faith and belief, is that we have confidence in Jesus because it was his will, not the devil's. He was in control. He was outworking and outliving the will of the Father for his life. And so that's where our confidence comes from. God's in control. Despite death, the face of death, God was still in control because he's victorious. He died three days later. Easter's coming up and we, we bring a focus around this, this uh, account. Jesus rose three days later with the keys to, to Hades, to sin and death, and he conquered. And the devil's under his feet. He thought he won for three days. He had a bit of a chuckle. And on the third day, there was a whole bunch of light. And Jesus rose again victorious. And so that's exciting. Let's uh, let's summarise this chapter as I come to a close. Uh, Jesus claimed to be the only way to God. We looked at that at the start of John chapter 14. And he reinforced the truth that he and the Father are one. And his words and his works prove that fact. Uh, Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit who will live in all believers. And anyone who loves Jesus will obey him. The Holy Spirit will remind Jesus' followers of what he has said to them. And Jesus promised peace to his followers. Aren't you glad we've got a saviour that brings us peace? We're going to come to a close. Let's have a look at the screen.
And then, Jeremy, come on. I'm so glad we have a saviour that died for us, that gave his life for us so that we could be blessed with the life that we get to live now. Who else is glad? Aren't you glad? You know, without him, none of us would be where we're at in our lives now. But it's because of him and because of his victory over sin and death that we get to live this glorious life free from condemnation of our mistakes and our past sins and things that we've done, the sin that we do today, we're forgiven. We don't need to live with condemnation or shame anymore. Jesus frees us and releases us from that burden and that weight because he saves us, as the video just said. He saved us through his work that is now finished on the cross. It's called a finished work for a reason. It's because it's done. Nothing can undo a finished work. And so you've got the opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. And we do this in every meeting. And for people that are online or watching this after the fact, we post it on our website. So would you just bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're in this place and me speaking about Jesus today has done something in your heart and you want to acknowledge your need of a saviour, that you want to be saved, well, this is your moment where you get to say yes to Jesus. We get to pray with you and you get to now walk in that newness of life that he offers each and every person that says yes to him. So if you're in this place and and you want to surrender your life to Jesus right now in this moment, I just want to encourage you to just lift up your hand and just acknowledge, that's me. I want to say yes to Jesus. If I see that hand, that's great. If you're at home watching online, we obviously can't see you, but It's not about responding to me. This is your response to God. So when you lift up your hand, you're responding saying, God, yes, I want to surrender my life to you. So one more time, if that's you, just lift up your hand. We're going to pray together. Fantastic. All right, let's pray this prayer together, church. So dear Jesus, I thank you that you died for me, that I could live a free life, free from condemnation, free from the disappointment of my past. So Lord, I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead and you conquered sin and death and you did it for me. So Lord, I thank you for everything you've done. And I now choose to live my life for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we thank God for...